You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to the Arrowhead Pride podcast we call From the Podium, where you get to hear directly from your Kansas City Chiefs, and I'll provide a little bit of color along the way. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief over at ArrowheadPride.com. The Chiefs are looking for their fourth win this weekend, heading to Ford Field to play the Detroit Lions, who are 2 and one so their fourth week in a row of playing an undefeated team uh, so we got to hear from Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo and offensive coordinator Eric Bienemy on Thursday we'll start with Bienemy on offense so here's Bienemy from the podium you know yeah I will say this and I'm not going to sound arrogant I'm not trying to sound arrogant when I say this I wasn't surprised by his performance at all that's just who Darrell Williams is. He's Mr. Consistent. He was that way at, L- at LSU. It was one of the main reasons why we targeted him, and we thought he'd be uh, good enough to be a priority uh, free agent. But if you watch him over the years, I mean, over last season, on the practice squad, comes up, does all the different things that he does. But also, too, if you just pay attention and watch him work in practice, it ain't by chance that things happen on game day. This kid prepares himself. He understands what it takes to be a professional. How do you see that in practice? What, what do you see from him? I, I, you say that? He's one of those kids that try and do the things that it's the way it's supposed to be done. He takes coaching directly from the classroom and applies it on the field. He's just that type of kid where everything he wants that he does, he strives for perfection when executing it. That's just who he is. What have you been most impressed with being around LaShawn McCoy? His professionalism. The kid, his professionalism and the will to compete. You know, coming off an ankle injury and, and watching him hobbling around all last week and just persistently staying at it says a lot about the person, says a lot about the character, but also it tells you how much he loves the game and how much he wants to contribute to helping us to be successful this season. With the, with, the, oh, sorry, with the work that Daryl did get on Sunday versus mm-hmm. the workload that LaShawn had, how much of that is, you know, wanting to balance LaShawn's workload and especially with the injury versus, you know, truly wanting to keep him as maybe a, just a, a niche back, you know, a, a supporting role rather than an every down back? If, if you talk to Daryl, Daryl will tell you he can do it all now. <laughs> I've been told that quite a few times by Daryl. But, uh, like I said, the kid, he's just a kid. Whatever role you want him to step into, that's the role that he's going to assume, and that's the role he will play. The kid, he has no fear in what he does. There's no stage that's too big for him. If you think about it, in college he played on one of the highest levels. You know, he played at LSU, played in the SEC, where they had to be on top of their game each and every week. And when they needed him to do something, guess what he did? He provided a play. Well, think about it last year when he stepped in, when we asked him to step in in certain roles, he did a heck of a job, just like he did just this past weekend. Not shocked, not surprised. 
We call him Mr. Consistent. Dylan McCullough has done a heck of a job with him. We got a, a great group of coaches who, who understand the importance of developing young players. I think that's important when you're in this, uh, this, this industry and in this business because you've heard me say this before, you coach your starters to be the starters, but you're also coaching those backup players to take their jobs and making sure that they understand the importance of being ready when called upon. And so when our backups play, they go out there and they perform up to a higher level of expectations. That was the first to say it on Sunday. You mentioned that Nicole Hartman might have this thing called the Tyreek effect. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you, you buy into when, when it comes to Hartman? Uh, you know what? I, I, I don't, don't want to place that on him. I know those guys feel that way, but we just want McCole to be McCole. And that's for him to go out there and play assignment sound football, play as hard and as fast as he can each and every play, and detail what he's supposed to detail. The rest will take care of itself. He's a talented kid. But when it's all said and done with, we just want to make sure that he's putting consistent behavior on tape. How much of what he can do do you know yet that you can utilize in the different ways to use him? Where are you guys at, I guess? You, you know what? I, I think I think each and every week we're learning more and more. I, I think we're still in the early stages. He's still in the baby stages of his career. I mean, this is this ain't even year one. <laughs> it's week four. <laughs> so. But uh, I think the kid will grow and mature over time, but we're obviously putting him to the test and want to, to see exactly how far we can take him, but also to understand that, you know, we don't want to put him in a predicament to where we're not helping him to grow as a player. What was going through your mind when you saw him catch the reverse field on the one where they kind of got deflected out to the flat and he reverse field and got 10 or 12? Uh, well, I don't know if I can say what exactly I said that, <laughs> at that particular moment, but it was one of those, and then, yeah, okay, good job. <laughs> Next play. <laughs> but uh, the, kid, the kid has done some, some real good stuff. And, uh, and obviously watching him on tape, especially as a kick returner, watching how explosive he was, and watching how he's handling the opportunities when presented on game day. I mean, the kid is, he's showing us something. But at the end of the day, I always tell everyone this, anybody can do something once. Let's make sure that we understand and see the big picture. It's about putting consistent behavior on tape week after week after week. When you come on the lines, just how important is 23 Darius Slay to everything that, that they do on defense? I think Darius Slay is very important, but I also understand how Coach Patricia thinks because it comes from Belichick. You know, all those guys are important, every one of them, because everyone has a role to play. But Darius Slay is a, is a guy that when you turn the tape on, he gets your attention. He's a heck of a football player. Is this a game that you get with Brendan Daly and just to kind of exchange some tips and to see, you know, how, how they might operate? You know what, me and B. Daly, we've had several conversations. We actually go back to our Minnesota days, so I'm not going to share all the details and bullet points. <laughs> but uh, you know what, just having the opportunity to play against New England for the number of years, and obviously I say that because Patricia was there for a number of years, that has given us some insight to, to what he does. Just like, you know, he's played against us over a number of years. So there are no hidden secrets. It's all about going out there, being at your best, and playing, and then winning in, you know, winning situational football uh, uh, opportunities. That's going to be huge. No turnovers. We get in the red zone. We got to put points on the board. And then we have short yardage situations. We got to move the chains to create more opportunities to give us uh, that, that opportunity to score. A couple of 
couple more. Just Demarcus Robinson. I know he's been asked about the plays that he's made, but from the player that you first saw when he came in as a rookie to the plays, not just the touchdowns, but the third down catch along the sideline, just the way that he's going about his business, just what growth have you seen from him, not just over the last year, but even looking to when he first got here to the, to the man that he is right now? You know, we've seen tremendous growth from D-Rob, obviously because of, if you think about it, D-Rob has always been a talented player, but watching him grow and play on special teams, how he handled that, also too, how he's handled playing all the different positions that we've, we've asked him to learn. He's kind of shadowed behind a Chris Conley for a number of years. You know, Chris Conley has been a, a huge influence on his, you know, on his style of play. Uh, then also, you know, having an opportunity to, to, to work with Sammy and him and Tyreek and the great friendship and development that, that they've had over the years. It's, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun just watching him mature over the years, but also to how he handles it. And I think if you look at our guys, they do a great job of, of having fun, but they're mature football players and they understand the expectations that is out there. But they do a great job of remaining poised and, and, and just staying focused on the task. And the only thing that we can control is today. So we'll handle today and those guys understand that and he's done a heck of a job just knowing that, hey, you know what? If I take care today, tomorrow I'll have an opportunity to be better. You guys have thrown the ball a ton in the first half especially. And in the second half, these last three games, it's been more balanced running and passing it. Uh, you also have the lead at halftime all three games. What changes for you offensively, maybe philosophically, whenever you're playing with the lead in the second half? Nothing. We still want to be aggressive. That's just who we are. But also, too, we want to make sure that we're giving our guys the right opportunity to be successful. And on top of that, you're always thinking about making sure that you're putting your defense in a situation where they don't have to be out on the field as much. But when it's all said and done with, our job is to go out there and win the game. We're going to do whatever we can uh, to win. So that's Chiefs Offensive Coordinator Eric Bieniemy from the podium. And what stood out to me in this press conference was, first and foremost, the high praise for Daryl Williams. This was a guy the Chiefs have liked for a while now. They signed him in 2018 as an undrafted free agent out of LSU. And he's just been waiting in the wings for this opportunity. More than 100 yards of production against the Baltimore Ravens. Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid have both called him Mr. Consistent. In that same token, they continue to praise the veteran presence of of LaShawn McCoy, and I'm beginning to wonder, even when Damian Williams recovers from this knee issue that's keeping him out of the lineup, is this now your new one-two punch? I, I think that remains to be seen. Uh, BNME wasn't willing to compare McColl Hardman to Tyree Kill, and I think that's a smart thing. He says McColl just wants to be McColl. He's certainly proving to be an offensive weapon for the Chiefs, even as a rookie. All right, we'll keep the show moving on the defensive side of the football. Here's Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo. Morning, morning, morning. Right, it's still morning, right? <laughs> just have to check my watch. Twelve minutes. Yeah. Uh, just got down with a walkthrough. Guys are ready to roll on to a Detroit. Um, and with that, I'll just open it up. And let you fire away. Steve, uh, taking the three games as a whole so far, are you seeing signs that things are getting better as a whole? Yeah, I felt like that way in, at the end of the first half last week. Um, and the second half was a little bit different. Uh, yeah, I think there's growth there. I think there's progress. I think that as a staff, as a group um, of players and coaches, we're, we're still trying to figure out what it is we do best, who fits where. There's still a little bit of that going on. 
Um, and that'll be a, you know, that'll be in, you know, throughout the season we'll be doing that. What, what tells you you're seeing that improvement? What, what are you looking at to say, okay? I, I go, I always go first to communication. Like if the communication is smoother, if it's more confident, if it, like we just did a walkthrough here, and, and, and to your point, so we just did the walkthrough and I noticed one Thornhill a lot louder. Now you go in the walkthrough, there's no, there's no noise, it's quiet, right? But I hear him, and he actually had made a mistake and I said, that's okay. You're being assertive, you're being loud, you know, the guys are hearing you. I don't mind making mistakes in a walkthrough like that. So the communication part of it would be one indicator. That would be pre-snap and then certainly post-snap when guys are communicating, especially in man or in zones when we always talk about uh, post-snap communication, there's more of that. Coach, how much, I, I know Tyler is probably a tough answer, but like the plays the Titans all almost made with the interceptions he was handled. Yeah. How many parts is instincts Prep work, film work, just natural ability, scheme, route company. Yeah. How, how many parts each of those? Well, it's all of it, BJ, but I, I will say this. The, the encouraging thing is we're there able to possibly make the play, right? Now, I got complete confidence in Tyron that he'll make those going forward. He typically does. I mean, nobody's beating himself up more than him because uh, he – you know, we texted back and forth after the game, and it's like he said. He goes, he, he expects himself – to make those plays and he knows his teammates do and so when he lets his teammates down he feels bad but he I expect him to jump right back up but I'm I'm encouraged that guys are in position to make plays I'd be really discouraged if we were nowhere to be found you know and they're completing them so there's a positive there uh, following up on that a little bit it seemed like Tyron was sort of roaming a little bit more and there was a little bit more freedom I'm wondering if what I saw was you're, you're, you're accurate. There were some plays we put in there for because of the quarterback we were dealing with. Okay, so that, that was a scheme thing. Some of that was, yeah. We had some eyes there. Should he – the amazing thing about – and look, at that got a great deal of respect. I mean, that was the number one offense going in, and we know why now. Um, he's a headache. I'm still taking Advil <laughs> for um, – we couldn't get him on the ground. But the thing he does is he extends the down. We, what I thought he would do more of on those scrambles is go ahead and run it. We were concerned about that, and that's what you saw. Okay. Time doing numbers. Okay, stand. so obviously a much different quarterback. Yeah, Sunday, yeah, so yeah. Maybe, maybe bit. Not the same deal. No, maybe not. It seemed like the, the, he, he kind of created some opportunities. For, I'm, I'm thinking specifically that, that play near the goal line he peeled off of. Um, Talking about Tyron? Yeah. So and, and almost had the play in the end zone. Almost had the end Where he almost caught it? Yeah. Yeah, there was a little bit of that. I don't, I, I'm not sure that that was one of those specific yeah. For him, for Lamar, but uh, I think it might have been just one of our normal red zone coverages. But instinctively, that's what you were talking about, BJ. Um, I, th I did think that that was an instinctive play. And like I say, he normally he just plucks that thing and catches it. It's amazing, you know, that one and maybe a couple. Of, it would have been a completely different outcome had we made a couple of those. It would have made it a heck of a lot easier. Um, but maybe we needed a game like that to help us going forward. Who knows? Might be a blessing in disguise. Coach, with Frank, it seems like he's. There's a little bit of frustration there. Are you seeing any of that? Not really. I mean, he came up with a big sack when we really needed it. I think it held him to a field goal there. Uh, people are concentrating on him. We knew that was going to happen. We're always looking for ways to put him in different spots so we can avoid that. But they're chipping him. They're doubling. And, you know, looks at when, you're a, when you're that kind of football player, people are going to do that. Just got to get used to it. Hopefully it will open up something for somebody else. When other teams scheme against him, that should open theoretically. Yeah, theoretically. Are you seeing that kind of... It was a little bit of that. Yeah, I mean, uh, Emmanuel uh, yeah. made a play, and it was a little bit for that reason. 
I remember back in training, excuse me, in the preseason games, I thought that happened a couple of times. Oak get finishing on a play. Uh, hopefully, I mean, that's what you want to have happen when, when a team concentrates on one guy. Has Agua's production been like a relative surprise for you guys? Did you expect Agua to be as productive as he's been earlier? Emmanuel? Yeah. A uh, little unsure, if you remember going back to training camp, he was, he was injured for a period there. Actually, when Brendan and I had talked about it, he did. He was really, you know, excelling. And they got hurt, and we felt like it took him a while to get back to where he was at the point right before he got hurt. And I think he's getting there now. He's more confident now. You know, on our, on our side of the ball with, with any players in this league, confidence is huge. You know, you make a couple of plays, you get a little bit more confident. It's probably like playing golf, right? You hit a couple of shots, you get a little more confident. Uh, but I think he's getting there. Sorry, Steve. Um, one guy that has had really good stretches in his career is Rashad Breeland. Um, he seems to be in another good stretch in his yeah. career. Just, is there something that you've seen that has allowed him to play well, particularly in sort of the top matchups of wide receivers? Well, I think, we, I think we found out that his best spot is up there close to the line of scrimmage covering guys. Um, and so we want to play, play the guy's strength. The thing I like about Bree is I said to him yesterday when we had our little meeting or walkthrough, um, that I thought he had a pretty good game. And he said, nah, I didn't have a good game. He caught the ball twice because mm -hmm. he was going with 15 right. quite a bit. And he, and he did actually get two catches. I, I thought we did a nice job containing him because he, can he can be a problem. So I, in, in, going back to what you're saying, I think Bree's attitude has been terrific. He's getting more confident. The guys are getting a little bit more confident together. So hopefully that continues. So going to Adam's question earlier, you had mentioned that the it's going to be a continuing process and know what you have with your defense. As a coordinator, and obviously the change of scheme from a 3-4 to a 4-3, is there a benchmark during the season where you say, I want to know what I have by the second quarter of the season, first quarter's in the books now? I want to yeah, no, I mean, I mentioned this going back that I think it takes a month to figure out, but the, the unknowns or the things you can't control come into play. I mean, should we have injury situations, then that's a whole other deal. The people we're playing, I mean, last week's defending that scheme was a whole different animal. Um, we're back to, I'm not going to call it conventional offense, but it's, we're back to something that we're used to seeing. Um, I, and, you know, it's ongoing. I, 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 this question has been asked a number of times. You know, at what point do you know? I, there's, not a, there's not a set point. Um, I, I think it's going to be ongoing throughout the season. You can get to the 16th game of the season and say, Let's try this, or we think we can put a guy in here. But I would hope, as we get going here, we would know our players. You know, they would know the scheme a little bit better. That's just natural growth, I think. In all your time, when you go and look at quarterbacks week in and week out, what makes a good deep ball thrower? You got you've gone against a couple this year. What yeah, just probably the common, probably the combination of the thrower and the guy catching it. Um, you know, I think back to Tom Brady with Randy Moss. You know, two talented people, but they had once they got in a groove, uh, as far as where Tom would put the ball, and I mean, I just think it's pro I, probably a better question for offensive coaches. But to me, it seems like defending. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the guys that have been together a lot in the timing. We talked about it. The very, the, I'll give you an example in the Jacksonville game. Our hope was now I know Nick Foles got hurt, but our hope was that he had not had enough time with his receivers that we could do such and such because you know break, you know, disrupt the timing these t these teams that get in a groove you know what i see is quarterbacks with a real good touch and they know how to throw their receiver open 
for lack of a better way to say it. Um, those are the, those are the ones that are tough to defend. One of the things, Couple Tyron, more guys. One of the things Tyron talked about yesterday is probably the most better group of receivers that you guys yeah. have faced outside of the tight end, but those three guys have all had a little experience. Galladay, not as much, but Jones and Amendola. Yeah. So what's particularly challenging against going up against guys that maybe not have spent a lot of time together, but have been in this league? Yeah, the, the, we made, we, uh, Brendan Daly, I think, said it first, but this group of quarterback, receiver, this whole package is probably the best we've played so far. I mean, we've had some real skilled receivers to play, some good quarterbacks, you know, a guy that can run. But as a group, we think this is the toughest we're going to go against. I got a great deal of respect for Danny Amendola inside. We had him in St. Louis. I've always loved him. I think he's a great player in the role that he plays in there. And you got two outside guys that are big and can run. With a quarterback, by the way, who's been in the league a long time and can throw. He can make all the throws, and he's got a strong arm. Um, they, they prevent, uh, I mean, they present a, a huge challenge. Uh, we've got to find ways not to get in mismatch situations. We're aware of that. Uh, but they also find ways to get the guys that they want to get the ball to open. There's things that they're doing, you can see, uh, to get certain guys the ball. So, yeah, it'll start up front like every game. Um, hopefully, this quarterback won't be quite as elusive as the last one. I thought our guys up front, I mean, you talk about getting tired in a game. Nothing ties you out more as a D lineman than chasing a quarterback around. Um, we'll see how this week goes. Yards per carry have been uh, like somewhat high, and again, that yards per carry. Yeah, and and that can be like a lot of game for you know, and that, that comes into it. But yeah, um, how do you set the tone against another running back who's going to get the ball quite a bit? Yeah, I think they'll commit to the run. I mean, the head coaches, it looks like it's built that way mentality-wise. Everybody wants to keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. We get that. The best way to do it is to run the football went on third down. I mean, our flashed up thing first meeting was stop the run and win third down. I mean, if we can do that and get the ball back to our offense, I think we've got a pretty good chance of doing well in the game. But this team does commit to running the football, and if we don't get better at that, then we can't get the ball back to Patrick quick enough. So we're all aware of it, and we've worked hard this week. Last one, Matt. Along that same line, you know, giving up 200 yards to Baltimore, how much of that was really just the, the scheme, the way you wanted to approach them? versus there are things you need to get better on. Um, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I thought we did well. I thought we did really good in the first half um, from, a, from a total scheme standpoint. We knew that they would get some of their young running yards. I mean, that's how much we respected what they did. But having said that, um, from our standpoint as prideful defenders, we just felt that it wasn't sturdy enough. You know, it was, it was too soft. It was too leaky. And the explosive run plays bother us. I mean, it doesn't matter who you play in this league. The ones you've got to eliminate, in my opinion, are the explosive runs. And we're concentrated on trying to do that. And now against a team that can also run the football. So we've got to step up and do that. Okay. Thanks, okay. Thank you. So that's Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo, And as you heard him say, the Chiefs defense is coming along. And it's not something he's really worried about. And I think the general theme that Andy Reid gave off, some of the players gave off, and even Spagnolo himself gave off was that they feel like they're close. They feel like they're really close to breaking through. You wonder if being in a dome this weekend helps that. You wonder if the Chiefs can score quickly this weekend. It helps that. Uh, you heard Spagnolo address some of the concerns that people have had with Frank Clark. Uh, as Craig Stout will tell you, probably coming up on the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory preview, Clark is generating a lot of attention. Uh, the exact number was about 44% of the time the Ravens were going out of their way to eliminate Clark from the play. So he's still managing to be somewhat productive, got that first sack 
last week. You hope that he can build on that against an undefeated Detroit Lions team. All right, so that'll wrap up the coordinators this week. As you've noticed this week, there was no Dave Tobe, and that's because the Chiefs made their assistant coaches available. We didn't include them on the podcast, but they are available on arrowheadpride.com. You can hear from Chiefs defensive line coach Brendan Daly, Chiefs offensive line coach Andy Heck, Chiefs wide receivers coach Greg Lewis, Chiefs defensive backs coach Sam Madison, and Chiefs running backs coach Deland McCullough. Again, all available at arrowheadpride.com. Keep it locked in with the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, as I've alluded to, coming up next on the Podcast Network, the AP Laboratory Preview. It's the Chiefs and the Lions, and that'll lead into our Arrowhead Pride postgame show as aired live after Royals coverage this Sunday on 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City. As far as from the podium, I'll be back next week. My name is Pete Sweeney, and I thank you for listening. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.